One of the things that I've always loved about coming to this center is getting an, a bigger idea about life and of myself and of my place in this wonderful sea that we call life. To help us do that this morning and to set the tone for a, a fabulous week, please welcome with me our senior minister and pastor, Reverend Patrick Cameron. Good morning. Welcome. Happy Thanksgiving. Stole one of Martin Kerr's CDs when I was back there, so don't tell him. I'll be the first in my neighborhood to have it. Can't get it out of my pocket. I'll probably have to tear the jacket apart now to get it out of this. Okay. It's secure. Nobody's going to pick my pocket. All right. Where did Martin go? Anyway. So it is our opportunity to come together, and it's, as I mentioned at the first service, it's our, our intention is to choreograph it in a way that continues to raise our vibration in, in freedom and peace and the remembrance of who we are and whose we are. And it's difficult sometimes to do that when life shows up in ways that we don't expect, is it not? But this is the opportunity to simply be present with one another and with ourselves. And so I'm going to invite you to sing a song with me. If you are here for the first time, you probably won't be able to sing along, but it's fairly simple. Those of you that would like to stand and do that, you're welcome to, or stay seated. And then we'll do a prayer. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world and in this very room there's quite enough joy for all the world and there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every Spirit, one Spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very and so I invite you to know with me in this moment, one life, Spirit's life, God's life, that life is perfect. That life is my life now, speaking in the I am for each person here, that is my life. And I get out of the way. I put my small self down in this moment, I open my heart and my mind to the possibilities. Whatever is alive for me, whatever is bubbling up for me, is for me. And I have everything I need, as do you, to move forward. We are fully equipped for what lies ahead. We are fully equipped for what lies in this moment. We are fully equipped for what has been. So let us take all of that and apply it to this moment in a way that is powerful and wonderful. Let us lift our conversation into heaven. And let us be reminded in this moment that this is the only eternal moment. And I plant the seeds along with you in this moment. If I lack the clarity to plant the sufficient seed, then that is my 
That is my call. That is my prayer. That is my beckoning. The infinite divine within me knows and guides and leads and resources and nourish, nourishes me in every good way. I give thanks on this Thanksgiving weekend for all the blessings that have brought us together. I give thanks for this eternal moment. It is in gratitude and love and appreciation I release these words. And I invite you to say with me, and so it is. Beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you, Brown. Thank you, everybody. The everyday superstars are in the front row. Pretty sweet. Rocking away. So I've been um, looking back at the big leap this month. The big leap is the, the intention. We signed banners. I signed it along with a number of people. It's hanging in the back over on the right side there. Great big banner we made up at the beginning of the year, and I thought it was appropriate. There's been so many big leaps going on, I thought it was appropriate to kind of pull it up and look at it and say, wow, what, how about that? The collective, uh, setting attention collectively and intention collectively and individually and seeing what happens. And so then change shows up. It's, a, it's, uh, it's my dear friend and, and companion in ministry, Reverend Maureen Hoyt, always said to me that everybody wants change, but no one wants to be inconvenienced. <laughs> <clears throat> And I think it's true. So anyway, Manny, Mo, and Jack are over at the Bonnie Dune in the, the food court over there. And they're, they're senior citizens, and they're well up into their 80s. And, and so Manny says, you know, he said, I'm getting a little worried. He said, every morning I get up, and I find myself at the, at the base of the, the stairs. And he said, I can't remember if I, just, if I had just come down or if I'm going up. And Mo says, you know, I'm having a similar problem. He said, you know, every morning I find myself sitting on the edge of the bed in my jammies, and I don't know whether I'm going to bed or I'm getting up. And Jack says, oh, he said, you know what? I'm so happy I don't have any of those problems, knock on wood. Who is it? <laughs> you know, when you're awake and aware, or you're doing your best to do that, life is a continuum. And it's actually quite a wonderful continuum. And the things that brought us together or brought you in the doors of this this community are not probably the same things that are alive for you today. And that's just the nature of it, and I think it's important to share that conversation. I was was going through my, one of my favorite little books by Dr. Ernest Holmes that's quite readable and quite wonderful is called This Thing Called Life. And in it, Dr. Holmes says, because life is in you. The truth is in you. And the spirit is in you. And the power is within you. And if you will wait on this power, if you will wait on this power, this truth, and this light, they will guide you. And so I was getting ready for the sharing today. And my affirmation, I found that, and I thought, wow, that's my prayer. The light the spirit, the power, the truth that's within me is guiding me as I prepare. And I typically come back to that every week because it ultimately am. But what I have to do is put down some of the confusion and chaos in my own thinking to really allow that and to, to sit with that. And so I, I got my book out, The Big Leap, as we bring that back, and I had Ernest Holmes there, and I had another book there, and I came out, came down this morning to typically get up pretty early on Sunday and... Uh, this, there was a piece of paper on top of the books. And I thought, well, that's, good. that's great stuff. I can use that stuff tomorrow. And so 
I didn't know what happened. I don't know if it had manifested magically. And so Laura, I said, Laura, this, this list of the, what, the seven characteristics of evolved people, where did that come from? She said, oh, it was under the couch when I was vacuuming. I said, oh. <laughs> so I thought it was divinely ordained, but it was just simply Laura tidying up. And I thought it was so appropriate because it is Thanksgiving weekend. Um, and tomorrow I have a birthday. And it's very interesting to be on... Um, you don't applaud a birthday, do you? Just, just survival. Okay, I made it. Whew, made it. Thank you so much. Way to stay alive. Thank you. Oh. But you know what? You are an evolved group of people because evolved people give thanks for what most people take for granted. There you go. I accept your appreciation for me staying alive. Thank you so much. Evolved people give thanks for what most people take for granted. And it's interesting when we, when we say that because it really is about shifting perspective. And you, when, you, when you realize that, for myself, when I realize that, I realize what a powerful, powerful tool appreciation and gratitude is. And to look around your environment and to be able to be thankful for things that we may fall asleep and take for granted. But the wisdom that's available to us. You know, I have this, this home... It's, it's, a, you know, it's, it's a wonderful environment, and it's just full of books and, and wisdom. And it's just fun to kind of play in the wisdom and say, hmm, that book seems to be calling to me. You know, if you walked into the bookstore and the book sort of drops off the shelf into your hands, that kind of thing. And so when I was called to, to Dr. Holmes, and then Laura, you know, putting this piece of paper on top of the, what I was working on, I thought, hmm, man. I, in fact, I'm going to start filing everything under the couch. I think that's a pretty good method. So I have a, you know, one of my favorite poem, poets on the planet is David White, and, he, and I was looking for a, a story because he's just, and I thought, that, what, you know, something about gratitude. Because it really is, what is so important, I think, for all of us with spiritual practice, what it does is it, it, it shifts our vibration. It lifts our vibration. The reason that I told you a little story about Manny Moe and Jack, and it's actually a joke, but, you know, I like to make it a little more local and make it my own. So if you go over there tomorrow morning, Manny Moe and Jack won't be there in the food court at, at the Bonnie Dune Mall. I just want to make sure, <clears throat> make that clear. But it lifts our vibration, joy and celebration and humor, because we can laugh at ourselves, and we can laugh at our forgetfulness, we can laugh at the mistakes we make, or at least I hope we can. And, we can, and that's part of enlightenment, lightening up. So anyway, David White wrote this, this poem called Four Horses, and I was going through his poetry and, and memorizing, because I like to memorize his stuff and use it when I can. And, and it reads as follows, Four Horses. On Thursday, the farmer put four horses into the cut hayfield next to the house. And since then, the days have been filled with the, sheer, the sheen of their brown hides racing the fence edge. And since then, I see their curved necks through the kitchen window, sailing like swans past the pale field. Can you just imagine them going by like swans, the swan necks, that beautiful shape? Each morning, their hooves fill my open door with an urgency for something just beyond my grasp. And I spend my whole day in an idiot joy, writing, gardening, and looking for it under every stone. I find myself wanting to do something stupid and lovely. Am I the only one that wants to do something stupid and lovely? Yeah, okay. Thank you, thank you. I find myself wanting to to walk up and thank the farmer for those dark brown horses and see him standing back laughing in his grizzled and denim wonder at my innocence. I find myself wanting to run down First Street like an eight-year-old and say, hey, come look at the the new horses in Fossick's Field. And I find myself wanting to ride into the last hours of the summer bareback and happy as the hoofs of the days that drum toward me. 
I hear the whinny of their fenced and abandoned freedom and feel happy today in the field of my own making. Writing nonstop, my head held high, ranging the boundaries of a birthright exuberance. But just reading that, and, and, and it gives you permission to just be in the joy of life. It's appreciation. Just look at what could be so ordinary. It's four horses. Big deal. Who hasn't seen four horses? But this is the new, the, the new experience. It's the eyes with which he sees it. That's the gift of poetry. That's the gift of the poet. He always says, David White says, that great poetry already, always begins with the lightest touch. The lightest touch. I think our spiritual practice begins with the lightest touch. The lightest touch. Evolved people give thanks for what most people take for granted. And it's all around us. You know, I look out and I watch people rocking their babies as they sit there. You know, I was so appreciative. When I came in this morning, there was just a parade of, of little ones going downstairs with their moms. And Reverend Catherine Cardinal was there uh, helping facilitate it. And Reverend Connie Nissen has helped put our, our youth program together. And I was just so overwhelmed with joy to watch so many young moms and so many young dads that come in the door. And it is just such an honor and privilege to find things that help bring a greater sense of aliveness into our lives and an ability and a capacity to look at where we've been and understand that we could have come no other way and to bless it and to understand that life is for us all. And it's so easy to forget it. And most of the people I know that aren't entrenched and in, in, in committed to what we're doing, they're, some are casual in their commitment and others are truly committed. But it's so easy to be, to be distracted out of that. The second point of evolved people is number two is they give without agenda. They give without agenda. They give unconditionally. And that's another challenge. I look at my own experience. I look at the way we, we, we invite people to volunteer here. And, and, and people many times bring things with them, uh, but it's part of the spiritual practice. It's a challenge to give without agenda. In my first church, <clears throat> I was just talking to, to Joan and Sylvia uh, before and they had gone, they said they were in California and they'd gone through Fillmore and that's where my first, uh, my first community was. And I was there five and a half years and it was a very small community but I remodeled the whole place. I had something to do. In my spare time I would fix things and we fixed everything and it was beautiful. It was a wonderful five and a half years. And so after I left and I came here and met all, a lot of people here and we, we got things uh, moving here, I would get phone calls occasionally, and after I left, there were two ministers that followed me, and it was a very tough environment, really difficult, because it's, it's so isolated in terms of the geography and people. And uh, so eventually, the decision was made to sell the property, and it, it sold for close to a million dollars, beautiful little church, and it was in, it used to call it Serenity in the, in the Groves, it was in an orange grove, Fillmore, California, which is about an hour and a half northwest of Los Angeles. And there was part of me, I was so happy and proud to have been part of fixing it up because as I was building it, it was building me. And everyone, everybody get discouraged, I just say, you know what, I'm doing this because I just feel called to it and it's something I could bring. It was a gift I had. And so when it sold for this money, I was very happy for the organization, but there was part of me that felt resentful that I never got a thank you from anybody. Never got a phone call to say, thanks for all the great work you did and fixing it up. And making sure we got, could get you know, the, the most value out of it for the organ. So that, that conversation was working for me. And then I realized, you know what? Whenever I go there, I'm, I'm in that self-serving personality that needs to be constantly fed and constantly nurtured. And so what I got to do was look at it in a way to say, you know what? I didn't give that. I gave that with agenda if I'm going to keep thinking that way. And as I started to do the work with that, I realized what a gift it was in my life. What an honor 
to be given stewardship of that place and to grow the consciousness. I mean, I look back at it as if it were divinely ordained so that I didn't have to go through that learning curve when I came here to be with you. So that my learning curve was different when I came here to be with you and it continues for me. Life is a continuum. And we are always in, in the, the, the process of revelation, of application. It never ends. I was talking to Sylvia uh, just before service, and she talked about it. She's, she would be the same age as John Lennon if John were still alive. And John's birthday was two days ago. <clears throat> Brett Favre's birthday is today, and my birthday is tomorrow. <laughs> Good things come in threes, you know. But she talked about it. She said, you know, what I realize is my hunger, it just continues to be enhanced. And I, when she said that, I said, absolutely. When you, you're doing the work and you're churning and you're doing the... And, and, and I, I say that not because I'm trying to scare you. I'm saying it because it's real. There's always more for us to know. And the depth of who we are is just infinite. And Dr. Holmes knew that. And so what we hopefully can do is impart and support you in a way that makes sense. Last week I said, how much time can you, can you allow yourself this week of just feeling good? Just feeling good. Can you create more of that in your life? And for me, it is the spaciousness. For me, it's, it's just, you know, for me, when I'm mindful of that and I look at the smiling faces and I look at the, the joy on faces and I look at people that are snor- snoring lightly as I speak, to celebrate all of it. But it's, it, it is that present moment awareness. It's like David, David White says. I, I find myself wanting to do something stupid and lovely. You know, the silliness of life and the joy of life. And it elevates us. It lifts us up. Our spiritual practice should be joyful. Our meditation be something we look forward to. The synchronicity of life, when we're living at that level, it's like Mary Man and Morrissey said in this, this Prosperity Plus class we're doing. What happens when we amplify ourselves, when we get into serious spiritual practice, we lift ourselves into a whole different realm of vibration. And it's fascinating to watch, and it's lovely to be in. And I love it. Dr. Holmes said this in this thing called life. You are using the law of life every time you think. Every thought influences the law of life. Every time we think. And no matter how long you've been using it, wrongly, in your ignorance, so many have used it in ignorance. If you look out in the world and you see why there's evil and you see why there's chaos and there's discontent, there's competition and there's wars, we have been given dominion and we can use it in ignorance. We were not born in original sin. We were born in original ignorance. ignorance. No matter how long you've been using it wrongly in your ignorance, the very day, that hour, yes, the very moment, you begin to use this power rightly, the effects of having used it wrongly will pass from your experience. The moment you decide to use it rightly, it'll pass from your experience. Well, how do you know you're doing it rightly? There's a $64 question, isn't it? It usually shows up as outcomes in our lives. And if we know that each one of us has gifts and talents, and if we are congruent with that idea and we're doing the things that nurture the sharing and developing and the, and the, uh, the discovery of those gifts and talents, we're congruent. And if not, we're incongruent. And so it does, we, can, we can beat ourselves up till the cows come home. Or as David White would say, till the horses come home. Well, what is important is to, I think, spiritual practice, my experience has been, is to bring ourselves back to the core of our being. And if we don't know what the core of our being is, if we don't know what that inner voice sounds like, we need to start there. We need to develop the vocabulary. So Dr. Holmes continues. 
Does it make any difference how long a room has been dark when you introduce light? How long the earth has been parched when, you, when refreshing rain comes to bring new life? A new seed time and a new harvest to the fields. This is where faith plays its greatest role. Without faith, it is impossible for one to do their best or get the most out of life. This does not mean faith in the personality only, but faith in the ocean of life itself. Faith in the ocean of life itself. There's one life. Spirit's life. God's life. My life. And I live from that. And where I am now is perfect and I bless it. And I look around and I find the things I can be grateful for. because Not because I need to impress anyone, but I want to lift my vibration. I want to go out of that, that Mary Man and Morrissey says in Prosperity Plus. Most people are tuned into CNN or Fox News. And when we start to give... Our gifts, our times, our talents, our treasures in a meaningful and powerful way, it elevates the vibration. And all of a sudden, we're in the Discovery Channel. All of a sudden, we're in the, cha- the Awe Channel, the Wonder Channel, the Adventure Channel. And then when the horses are out in the field, all of a sudden, we see it with new eyes. We see the beauty of that, the possibility of that. This is where faith plays its greatest role. Without faith, it is impossible for one to do their best or get the most out of life. This does not mean faith in the personality only, but faith in the ocean of life itself. No one has ever found a substitute for this faith. Faith in the self as an isolated being automatically cuts us off from the mainstream of life. Our faith has to be bigger than just ourselves. And all we're doing when we think that we got it all handled and we don't need any help and I don't need to ask anybody and I don't need prayer support and I don't need books and I don't need to learn and I don't need all this because I got it all managed and it's right in front of me and it's in the box and I know what it is. We just cut ourselves off. We just cut ourselves off. It's like the guy that goes into the, the, the um, uh, hardware store and he comes in and he says, you know, I bought this chainsaw and you told me that I could cut 10 cords of wood a day with it. And the guy says, I can't even get one cord of wood a day cut with it. And the, the clerk says, well, let's go out back and, and see what's going on. And so the guy goes out back and he, he primes the, the starter and he pulls the handle and the chainsaw starts immediately. And the, the customer looks at the guy and says, what's that noise? We just cut ourselves off from what the possibility is. It goes a lot quicker when, quicker when we start the chainsaw, when we use the tool properly, when we use our minds effectively. Well, we can't use our minds effectively if we're in resentment and bitterness and anger and competition and envy. And all those, those things are a human experience. I share with you my, my Fillmore experience because what it was was a great lesson for me. I could still, be, I could still have an extra grind with the organization if I wanted to. And what I realized is everybody's busy. And then, and then what I thought about then was, where have I not thanked people appropriately in a timely way? And then once I started to work on that, I thought, Phew, I've got no complaints. Wait a minute here. You know what I mean? It, it, it's, a, it's a lesson and it's an opportunity for me to, to do my inventory and look at it where I, I can be more accountable, accountable. Number three, evolve people race to see who can forgive first. We're going to have a race after service today. We'll be in the parking lot. Race to see who can forgive first. When we race to forgive, we keep ourselves open and clear. The channels, the, inf- the genius that we're talking about. Today is the trap of excellence. We can stay trapped in excellence because we're really good at it. It's where people expect us to stay. And, and what I want to do is live in the genius. I want to live in the genius and let the ideas flow and let the people show up and the creativity show up in my life and the joy and the celebration and support everybody in that. 
Number four, view life as celebration rather than a problem to be solved. To view life as a celebration rather than a problem to be solved. Once again, it's perspective. What can we celebrate today? Great music. What can we be thankful for? Wonderful stuff. Evolve, number five, evolve people talk to themselves, not to the world. So you thought you were crazy all this time. (laughs) It's the conversation with ourselves. And evolve people find something more interesting to talk about than their past failures and their past resentments. Racing to forgive means forgiving self, first and foremost. Owning what it is, putting it down, saying, you know what, I can do this differently. I can do this differently. Number six, choose happiness over drama. I have drama, therefore I am. How much drama do you want to have? It's interesting to watch. And it's interesting to watch it in my own life because it's easy to get pulled into the drama. But if we, don't have any ba- if we don't have a way to pull ourselves back through practice, we can stay stuck there in the drama. And, and, the, and the universe just says yes because it responds to everything. Every time we think it's a prayer. So, if, so the way I feed myself and stay engaged in life is to have drama. What are we going to look for? What are we going to invite into our experience? See, these, these vows and these commitments that we take and make with ourselves color our whole experience. It's the subjective nature of who and what we are. Emma Curtis Hopkins talks about this over and over and over again. Emma's the one that inspired this discussion about name your good and stay focused on your good. Focus on your good. What is your good? I don't know. Something within you does know. Let's go there. So the infinite mind of the one is guiding and directing me in every good way to help me identify my good. Your great good is what brings you alive. And you may think you know what your great good is, but that great good in following that may clarify, and all of a sudden your great good will shift and change. But if you, know, if you set the intention to live and thrive and activate thriving in your life and live in your genius, it's going to be a continuum. We're, kind of, we're going through, we're, I'll be, another month I'll be here eight years. Not in this particular position all the time, but I, was, I, I took over as the minister here eight years ago. I, I stepped into the role. But I, my, my observation of it is there's like seven-year cycles in life. About every seven years, things shift and change. You know, a little over seven years ago, Laura and I made the, the, the decision to come here and be with you. But, but it's very interesting to watch, and I watch the pattern in many people's lives. A lot of times when I'm counseling with them, I say, how old are you? Oh, and it typically when significant things are happening, there's like these seven-year cycles, and I don't know what it is. But it's just very interesting to watch. But all of it's right and perfect. If you're doing our spiritual practice and we're doing our prayer work, then the right and perfect things continue to happen. And so that's faith. That's understanding. Ernest continues. I have never known, I'll repeat a little bit, I have never known an individual or as a person was great enough to meet the issues, as an individual was great enough to meet the issues of life. I have met many who have tried this, but as yet I have never seen that it proved successful. There is something about our very nature that demands a constant communion with the invisible. There's something about our nature that demands a constant communion with the invisible. And for me, I, I know that's true. I know people that work a 12-step program, the ones that work it the most effectively understand. It's the surrender and stepping into that ocean of life because life is in you. And then the truth is in you and the spirit is in you and the power is in you. And if you'll wait on this power, this truth and this light, it will guide you. One of the greatest things you can do is learn to wait on the, on the God power within you. 
one of the most important things is to learn to wait on the God power within you. You need downtime. The number seven here is understand the value of downtime. It's what evolved people do. Have you given yourself a break lately? Do you, take, do you have downtime in your life? One of the last things my teacher, when I was, had stepped into that role in, in Fillmore, said to me is you need, need downtime. Because my tendency is to be busy and go and go and go and go. When I get, I'm a carpenter. And so when I get stressed, I go and look for something to fix. In fact, if anybody needs a tree cut down, let me know. I'm pretty anxious to get something. No, I'm not. But I'll look for something to fix. Just because it, it becomes a meditation for me. And I learned that over time. I learned that in my business and how I worked and how I operated. But we need time to just let the ideas flow. That's why meditation can be such a joyful experience. That's why going for a walk in the river valley can be such a joy. That's why just stopping and opening to the spaciousness, the spaciousness of life. When we were at the Circle of Love, there was a lot of spaciousness. Moments of beautiful nature right on Quadra Island, right there on that channel off of Vancouver Island. Just beautiful. Nothing to do, nothing to fix. The spaciousness. And, you're, and it marinates you. You're being done. It marinates you. One of the, the teachers that was there when we were there, David Tharp, had come from Japan. And David's whole thing, is, his modality is movement, transcendence through movement and dance. And uh, he's very touchy-feely. So if you like touchy-feely, you'd love him. And if you don't like touchy-feely, he'd probably be very uncomfortable. But he's a medical doctor. He's a psychologist, or I believe he's a psychiatrist. He's also uh, done a lot of the modalities uh, that, that many of you are familiar with. He's very well-rounded. And he talked about, he's worked with Mother Teresa in India. He talked about his experience with her. And she, he speaks fluent Japanese because he lives in Japan. And he said one day, Mother Teresa found out there was a group of Japanese businessmen coming to give her a gift, a financial gift. And so she said to David, would you please come with me to receive the gift and be the interpreter? And he said, sure. So this group of Japanese businessmen walk in and they say, Mother Teresa, we love what you're doing and we'd like to give you a check for $100,000. And so... Mother Teresa says, well, thank you very much. And, and the spokesman for the group of businessmen says, but what we would like in return is we would like a, a plaque put up with our name on it, on the wall here. And Mother Teresa handed the check back, said, I can't do it. And David Tharp's like, Mother Teresa, it's $100,000. We can do a lot of good with $100,000. She said, nope. She said, I have to tell you why. She said, I have rickshaw drivers that will work one day a week, and everything they earn, they will give me. Everything they have, they give me. And she said, if I put your plaque up, I have to put plaques up for those people as well. And I won't do it. And David Tharp just stood there. He said, you know, Mother Teresa about four feet tall. And the Japanese businessman took the check and walked out the door. And she looked up at him and said, now where were we before we were so rudely interrupted, David? But she's so grounded. This is faith. She's so grounded in what she stands for. She's so clear about who she is. And who she is, whose she is. And, it's, and she, she lives that. She's a walking... She lived that. She's no longer with us. She is with us in spirit. Her example is with us. But this is an evolved person. Giving and receiving without agenda. Letting rather than getting. And she understands her source. She understands that she's always supplied. To stand in the great faith. But how many of us, myself included, somebody walked in the door and said, you know, I love what you're doing here. I'd like to give you $100,000 to keep doing what you're doing. And I'd, you know, I'd probably say, and where would you like your plaque put up? <laughs> but to be so clear about that, 
So sharp about that. So it's our opportunity. When we, when we have the practice, it is stepping. So what I think is so precious to be reminded of in this moment is, is stepping into the ocean of life, as Dr. Holmes talked about. And yes, we all have personalities, and they're wonderful because they make all of the variety and joy of our life and the challenges of our lives, and it's a beautiful thing. We don't have to, to kill our egos or our personalities to do the spiritual practice. But there's a way of raising our vibration that is so powerful and wonderful. And you know what that is. And I know what it is. And it's listening in a new way. It's being present in a new way. It's giving thanks for what most people take for granted. It's giving without agenda. Letting rather than getting. It's racing to see if I can forgive first. It's viewing life as celebration rather than a problem to be solved. It's talking to myself and not to the world in ways that encourage and support me. To love ourselves. How would you talk to yourself if yourself came to you and told you your story? With love and with grace, with understanding, wisdom. It's choosing happiness over drama. And it's understanding the value of downtime. Beautiful, simple things. So let us continue to elevate that vibration in joy and celebration. Let us continue to be a force for good in our own lives and in the world. And that's enough. So it is. Blessings.